chapter number 14. And these are very familiar passages of Scripture, but um, let's, let, not, let's not let that rob us of a blessing. In chapter number 14 of the book of Matthew, we'll read verses 22 through 33. If you found your places, if you would stand. Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter number 14 in verse number 22 it says in straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away and when he had sent the multitudes away he went into a mountain apart to pray and when the evening was come he was there alone but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. You may be seated. We'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful to be in your house. God, we're thankful to be amongst your people. And Lord, as we gather before you tonight, God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, I pray that you would feed us from your word. Lord, I pray that you give us... Uh, Lord, ears to hear, and God, I pray that you would speak to somebody. Lord, it's not me, but it's you, and Lord, I pray that you'd fill us full of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you'd be with us, and Lord, I pray that you might help someone here tonight. Lord, we commit this service unto you, and God, we ask that you have your perfect will and way, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 14, in these verses, we find... An uncomfortable situation that Christ is about to send his closest, uh, the closest members to him, the ones that he has chose uh, to spread the gospel and to help him in his endeavors while he is here on earth. But as we come into these verses of scripture, we see that uh, in the earlier parts of the chapter that Jesus had fed the multitudes, he had done uh, many miracles. We find that the Pharisees were out to kill him. They had beheaded John the Baptist. They had put his head on a silver platter. And we find that the Jews here that he had fed, they sought to make Jesus king so they could overthrow the Roman government and restore Jerusalem as they thought it should be. And all this stuff is going on. All these things are happening. And here are the disciples, the ones that are closest to the Lord in his ministry. And the Lord tells them, our Lord says, our Bible says in verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. The word, the idea of constrained is, I'm not giving you a choice. You ever had daddy ask you to do something? And have you ever had daddy constrain you to do something? Say amen right there. 
boy, you go down there and you do whatever I told you to do, or else. This is the idea. He was not giving them a choice. But you say, why would God do such a thing? Why would he make the ones that were closest to him go through such a thing as this? Why would he put them through such hard times? Why would he send them into the middle of a storm? Was Christ not concerned about the safety of his disciples? Was he not concerned about uh, the feelings of fear that they might have? Was he not concerned at all about their lives because he constrained and he forced them into a ship to go to the other side of the shore? And the disciples, the reason he had to constrain them is they did not want to go. Most of these men had grew up on the sea. They'd been on the Sea of Galilee. They'd fished their whole life. And they know what a storm like looks like. Anybody in here know what a storm looks like? When the clouds turn dark and you can see the lightning and hear the thunder clap? Does that mean that you need to go outside and start chopping wood? No. That means that you need to go inside and wait a few minutes till it passes away. That was a thought that was going through their head. Why, God, would you put me through this? But isn't it any different than the child of God when the Lord puts something into their life that is hard, that is challenging, that is not something that would be desired? You think, I, know, I don't know anything, hardly about anybody in here, what you're going through, but as God puts you into a situation, you say, God, why me? Why would you put me in this? Why would you put me in this situation? Why would you do this to my life? Why, God, why? I am one of your children. I am one that's close to you. I love you. Well, here it says in 1 Peter 4.12, it said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. As we look at that, it says, In straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. Not only does this look bad in the disciples' mind, but it just got worse. Like, well, God, if you'll go with us, we won't have a problem. He said, no, you're going to have to go by yourself. He went to pray and he went alone. So what does that tell me and what's that tell you? That the disciples were by themselves entering into a ship to go into the midst of a storm. Say, well, what was Jesus trying to teach his disciples? That one day that he wasn't going to be there, but his spirit would always be with them. You seem like you're going into something, that life is falling apart, that there's situations around you that you say, God, why would I be this? Are you anywhere near me, God? Am I having to go through this alone? Absolutely not. What did he promise the child of God? I will be with you always, even unto the end of the earth. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And as he's here, as they're there, it says, And when he'd sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Imagine the sight in the disciples' head as they're standing there looking. They're getting farther and farther away from where they're comfortable, the shore. And they're going deeper and deeper into a storm and watching Jesus go farther and farther away. Child of God, uh, when the Lord puts something into your life, it is not to make you bitter, it is not to hurt you, but by the grace of God, it is to make you better. Amen? The Bible talks about a lot about gold being purified through fire and through, uh, through the things that it goes through. So is the child of God made better for the service of the Lord. See that fire in the Bible is a picture of being consumed, but water is a picture of being overwhelmed. The disciples were fixing to be overwhelmed in a situation that they absolutely had no control of. 
It says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. As this scene goes through your head, the disciples going away from Jesus, the thunder claps, the waves begin to roll, and all of a sudden there they are alone by themselves in the middle of a mess. Is there anybody here that's got sea legs that's been a sailor? No, me neither. I hate the ocean. Daddy took me out on a fishing trip in Alaska. We got out there outside the bay and I thought to myself, Oh God, what have I done? This must have been what the disciples felt like. They was 15 foot swells and we was in a fishing boat and that thing was going up and down like a bobber in a tornado. I mean, it was bad. I was fine until he turned the motor off on the boat and we stopped. I turned green as a gourd and I got on my hands, over knee, hands and knees over the edge of the boat and I was praying and puking at the same time for about three hours. It didn't bother Dad a bit. He stood there. He was fishing where I was throwing up. He said it jumped the fish up good. He laughed. I was green as a gourd and I was on the edge of that boat saying, God, if you will just get me out of here, I promise you I will never come back out in this mess. Amen. Can you imagine how those disciples felt? Hopeless, helpless, the waves coming in around and the ship going up and down. It said the wind was contrary. You ever dealt with a contrary person? Boy, it's a beautiful day today, isn't it? No, it's not. The sky's blue. Nah, red. You know, what, you know what I mean? Don't you love people like that? Well, that's what the wind was doing. Everything that they would do to try and fix their situation, it would turn it around, it would turn it against them. They had absolutely no control. One of the most helpless times in a person's life is when they're in a situation they have absolutely no control. I hate being out of control. I love to drive wherever I go. I don't ride roller coasters because they don't have steering wheels. I like to be in control of what's going on. But sometimes in a person's life when you lose control, people lose their mind. But what's the Bible tell us to do? Trust and know that He is God. There they were and you know what it was doing? The only thing it was doing was wearing them out and worrying them to death. When something happens in your life, we have to know and understand that even it doesn't feel like God is with us, even though it doesn't feel like He is around, that He was there on that mountain and He was praying. He knew exactly where they were. They were on His mind. He knew their situation and He had not forgotten about them. You know, the devil will get in a person's ear and say, God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. Why would he put you in this situation? Why would he put you where you're at? He does not love you. The, first, the best thing you can do is to forsake him and leave his word. That's the first thing that the devil will put into a mind of somebody who is in the midst of a trial. What about the children of Israel? Remember what all they went through in Egypt? They were beaten. They were killed. They were made slaves to Pharaoh. Whenever they got out in the wilderness and they were headed to the land of Canaan, when things got a little rough, what did they say? Oh, that we could go back to Egypt and we could have the onions and the leeks and the garlic. That's the thing that the devil will put in a child of God's mind. Oh, if I could go back to the bottle, if I could go back to the world, if I could go back to whatever it was that I had, I would just be fine. Remember, child of God, no, you wouldn't. The very God of heaven is the one that pulled you out of that mess. And he's the one that will keep you from it. There is no need for a child of God to ever seek going back into the things of the world. Say amen. Yes. You know how I know that? Because I've done it myself. Yes. Hey, there's no halo on these horns. I've messed up plenty of times. I've fallen flat on my face. I am not a perfect person. I have messed up in life. And you know when I'm the most miserable? 
is when something hard comes into your life and you turn around and you go back to the world, you'll be so much more miserable than if you would have stood and waited on the Lord to help you in the situation that you were in. Amen. Amen. Bible says in verse 25, or we'll read 24 again, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Verse 25, the fourth watch of the night, between the hours of 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning, the darkest part of the night, the worst part of the storm, they couldn't see anything, they had no idea what was going on, and here came Jesus walking to the disciples. Now, how long had the disciples spent with Jesus? They'd spent a pretty good while with him. They'd seen him every day. They'd slept with him. They'd ate with him. They'd, they'd seen him perform miracles. You think they knew what Jesus looked like? I believe they did. Amen. And there he'd come. He said, I am come. I'm going to save you. He, did, he, he waited till their storm seemed impossible to get out of. And here the Lord came to help them out of their situation. You know, a lot of times... A person can get into trouble when the Lord has put something in their life and things are falling apart around them. And when the Lord finally comes and said, okay, it's enough, I'm going to pull you out of this. What did the disciples say? It's a spirit. It's a ghost come walking on the water. He's come to haunt us. He's come to take us away. You know, I can stand here and say that was foolish, but you know, I might have done the same thing. Scared to death, out in the middle, have no control and say, it is a spirit come to get us, to drag us down to Davy Jones' locker. We have had it. All these ghost stories we heard has finally come true, but that was not the situation. So the disciples saw him walking on the sea and they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Have you ever had a hurt animal and you reached down to touch where it was hurt to help it and it snap at you, especially old dog? bite at you. All you're trying to do is help it and the Christian's not careful. When the Lord comes to you to help you in your life the Lord uh, you'll, you'll back up. You'll fight against the Lord when he comes to help you. It's what the disciples did. They got, they got carnally minded. They were thinking about ways that they could help themselves out of their situation. They couldn't help themselves. And When the disciples saw him walk on the sea they were troubled. But in verse 27 it says, but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I've heard a lot of voices in my life, and I can pick out my mama's voice, and I can pick out my father's voice, and I can pick out my grandfather's voice if I could hear him speak again. When he said, Son, what are you doing? Or Daddy say, Boy. Mama say, Bridger, what are you doing? I can pick out their voices, but boy, I tell you what, there's nothing like the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ when he speaks to one of his children. There they were, tore all to pieces. Their mind was all over the place. And Jesus said, be not afraid, it is I. Boy, isn't it wonderful when you hear the Lord speak to you in your life. You feel like everything's falling apart. You feel like you've reached the end of your rope. You don't know where to go. And he calls your name and speaks to you and said, it's going to be okay. I am here. Be not afraid. Amen. There's no voice like the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that spoke life into the dead. The one that spoke me and you into existence through the breath of his life. The one that put the stars in the heaven. There is nothing like the voice of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He spoke to them. You know what happened? They knew it was him. He said, 
Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. What does the Bible say? The Lord hath not given us a spirit of what? Fear. The Lord doesn't give a spirit of fear. Who does? The devil. The devil will try and scare you into everything that you do. The Lord doesn't lead by fear. He leads by love and by mercy. He says, I, be not afraid. Something common about knowing that you're in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Peter's my favorite disciple. You know why? Because he was a bit goofy. He was crazy. He'd always say something he shouldn't say at the wrong time. He'd, Amen, if you know me, I'm guilty of that bad. In mind, out mouth. He cut somebody's ear off. <laughs> Jesus fixed it before he lost his temper. You know, he, so many things that Peter did, I can, rely, I can get down with Peter. He messed up so many times, but you know what the Lord would say, Peter, what are you doing? Come back to me. And that's the blessed thing, as, at least for me. I don't know, how, you may be a lot more perfect than I am, I'm sure you are, but the Lord has to be very patient with me, and he was very patient with Peter. And you know what, the Lord puts a lot of failures in the scripture, Why? Because if all he recorded was the good things the disciples did, we'd be miserable because we could never live up to it. He put a lot of their faults in here. And it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. You know, Peter had a lot more faith than I did. You couldn't have got my hind end off of that boat. I don't care if I had a life jacket, a skidoo, jet ski, whatever they're called. I wouldn't have been getting off of that boat. But you know what Peter said? Lord, let me come. I'm on my way. The Lord said, come on, Peter. You know, give him a hard time for sinking, but all the rest of the 11 of them stayed on the boat. Amen. There he went out to the Lord, and he went to walking to him. The only other person in the scripture that's ever walked on water besides Jesus was Peter. And he came to him and he said, Lord, I have faith. I'm coming to you. And what happened? You ever been sitting there on the chair and hear the lightning strike? Look, something loud noise. I do that all. It doesn't matter what it is. Somebody, I got real bad attention deficit disorder. I, get, I do that all the time. Look, something get on my mind, but there he was. He had Jesus on his mind. That was his only focus. The only person he was going to was the Lord, and he heard the lightning clap. He looked over. You know what happened? As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened to him? He began to sink. Amen. And what do you say you get from this preacher? you have your eyes on the Lord, there's nothing that you can't do and he can't bring you through. He was walking on water in the middle of one of the worst storms that the Lord put in the scriptures here that the disciples went through. He was in a bad situation. He was walking with God. Why? Because he had his eyes on him. And the second that he took his eyes off of the Lord, he went to the bottom. There are so many things that will be thrown up to somebody that will be put out there. Uh, and you know, money, fame, fortune, you know, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with a good job. There's nothing wrong with a lot of things. But if, that's what, if that takes your attention, if that takes your focus off the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not any good for anybody. Say amen. If it takes you out of the house of God, it is not God's will. Amen. If it takes your family away from church, if it takes you away from the Bible, if it takes you away from walking with Him, it is not the will of God. Teach it in the Sunday school class to the youth. 
you know, big age, high, between high school into high school, you get all this boyfriend, girlfriend garbage going on. And, hey, Lord, they, <laughs> they bring some in that's real special. They say, what do you think about them? I say, well, did they go to church? No. Did they, did they profess to be saved? No. Well, what are you thinking? Is that the will? I ask them, is that the will of God for your life? I don't know. No, that is not the will of God for your life. Say amen right there. You don't bring them into church to get saved. You don't date them to get them saved. Amen. You should be with them because they are saved. Amen. That'll get you in a mess. But all these things, anything the devil can use, and it's not necessarily bad things to get one's eyes off the Lord. He will. And he began to sink. Anybody ever got their eyes off the Lord? I have. I've been in Peter's shoes many times, going down, sucking water, coughing, hacking, not, not looking like I'm not going to be able to come up, messed up bad. You know what the Lord did? The Bible says, but when he saw, and immediately, in verse number 31, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter say, all right, you got your eyes off of me. I'll, I'll see you in glory. Have fun at the bottom of the ocean. That's what the devil will put in your mind. You've messed up. You've made a mistake. God will never, God will never help you. He'll never bring you back. There's no more opportunity for you. That is the biggest lie that's ever been told. Amen. God sent his son to die that you may, he may keep fellowship with you and I restored. And I'm not talking about being lost. I'm talking about after I've been saved. Peter here, I believe he's saved and knew the Lord. I've messed up so many more times since I've been saved than before I was saved. And God has helped me and he has brought me back. That's what the devil will tell you. You get away from God, there's no chance of you ever getting back in. That's a lie from the devil. Amen. God is there. He reached his hand down and he called up Peter and said, Oh, thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? It says, And when they came into the ship, the wind ceased. Say, what happened? Peter learned, Peter learned a very valuable lesson. The disciples learned a valuable lesson. You say, what is that? When life is out of control, when situations are beyond what you can do for them, that God is still in control. And that any minute, there's no need to give up. You never know when the Lord's going to step in and say, that's enough. I remember Dad sitting there with Dad and Mom listening to them talk the other day, and they was talking about... I asked him, I said, what's some of the hardest things you've ever been through? And I remember mom telling me whenever Coulter was born, they said they didn't know if he was going to live or he's going to be able to talk. They had him hooked up to breathing tubes. He laid there for several days, no moving, completely out of their control. No, nothing they could do but pray. And I remember, I remember dad saying that he called, he'd just been preaching in Africa, and he called out to one of them jungles and, uh, they said, we're going to be fasting and praying at this time, this time of day. And they began to fast and pray. And Dad said he began to get, got in there with Coulter and he began to sing a song. And said that the Lord blew through that room, said his eyes opened up, said he started crying. <laughs> they said they didn't know if he's going to be able to eat or not. Boy, look at that rascal now. He's big as a barn. He'll eat everything inside. Amen. 
That situation was completely out of control. There was nothing that could be done, but what do you have to do? You, Mama said, you just got to put it in the hands of the Lord. And I was willing to accept whatever he wanted was his will for our life. Amen. Amen. You may not like the outcome sometimes, but there is nothing that happens to you that God does not do to better you in your life. He is in complete control. When they got on, got on to the ship, Jesus took Peter back to the ship, and it says, and the wind ceased. Just as fast as they had got into that storm, it was over. You never know when it's going to be over with the Lord. You have to stay faithful until the end. It says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. I'm going to close with this thought. It says, When the ship came, they worshipped him. What happened? They came out closer to the Lord than they had ever been before by going through the harder things that the Lord had put them through. Said of the truth, thou art the Son of God. Say, why? Because the Lord is the only one that could have brought them through that situation unharmed, unhurt, and closer to Him on the other side. Praise the Lord for that. I don't know what you're going through in your life. That's between you and God. We're going to close here in just a second. We're going to stand. We're going to give you just a moment. If you need to pray, you can. If not, we're going to be dismissed in prayer. But do not forget that no matter what, the Lord has your best interests in mind, no matter what you go through in this life. Amen. Let's all stand.